Good afternoon. Well, it's wonderful to see you here today, and we're looking forward to our time together. We're going to be talking about the powerful potentials of homeschool. You think there's power in that potential? We've seen it as we have watched our own children grow, and we've had the unique privilege of watching many families grow up, if you will, over the last 16 years. And it's been exciting to us to see the powerful potentials. Homeschool is simply a tool. There's nothing divine or magical about it, but homeschool is a tool of the Lord to provide an opportunity to explore and to expand the potentials of our young people. And it's been exciting to us as we have watched in our own family and as we've seen other families develop to see where those potentials in homeschool lead. And today we're going to be talking about several of the P's in the powerful potentials. The purpose, the vision of what we see in homeschool, the vision of what we can experience, what our young people can experience, the privilege. We consider homeschool a window of opportunity, a very blessed privilege that we have, a window of time, even as Jean mentioned with Moses. We'll be talking a little bit about Moses later, but that mother had a window of opportunity. Twelve years. Can you imagine that? We have a window of opportunity in homeschooling. It's a privilege. We're going to talk about the principles that we have found, the powerful principles that can motivate and can build in the homeschool environment and talk about the priorities within the home and homeschooling. And finally, how do we plan the planning that's involved in taking the priorities that we've decided are priorities, how do we plan so that if we have 20 priorities, what if we only have time for 10? What are the 10 that we need to accomplish, and how do we plan for those priorities? Well, I remember as a young mother, I had never heard of homeschool or had any thought or desire when I first heard of it that I'd ever be one to homeschool my children. We lived outside of Chicago in a suburban setting, and um, I was sharing with my girlfriend one day, you know, how we women talk, young mothers, and she was telling me of her early morning walk that day as she was walking down close to the little Christian school around the corner from their home, and as she was walking, she crossed, our, our, her path crossed a couple of six, six-year-old girls heading to school, first graders, and she knew who they were, she knew their mothers, and she said, good morning, girls. And the girls never responded. They just it totally ignored her. And then she heard the one little girl say to the other little girl, if it's anything I can't stand is a cheery broad in the morning. And when she related that to me, I had the exact reaction that you had. Mm. My oldest, Allison, was four years old. And I started to get frightened to think that in two years she's going to be in this school, the Christian school, and this is going to be the influence. I mean, talk about being disrespectful, for one thing, but the attitude that was there was shocking to me. About that same time, I also occasionally would listen to Moody Bible Institute Radio, had a little program there in the Chicago area, and I picked up one day this thing, an interview about homeschooling. And, of course, I started tuning in because I never heard the word before, you know, in that combination. And I started listening, and I was... Like, wow, isn't this interesting? I mean, people actually teach their children at home. It was totally a new concept to me. 
And I can remember the struggle in my heart from the experience of my girlfriend thinking, is my child going to go there? Because that's what we had planned to do. And this other new potential and possibility. So as I began to share with my husband, I had this, this incredible fear that came over me. Have any of you experienced that fear <laughs> to homeschool a child? It was just so real. And I said, you know, I don't really want to send Allison to the school, but neither do I feel capable of training her and raising her and educating her in the home. Well, I don't know if it's naivety or faith or combination, but I, I said, honey, let's look into homeschool. I was confident that if homeschool was out there and if it was a good alternative, that my dear wife was ready for the job. <laughs> so <What>? I, <laughs> I can say that husbands, if you don't do anything else in your homeschool program, you can be a support and be behind your wife. And he was a support because I did not have that kind of confidence at all. And my whole commitment was, I'll try it for one year. Okay, we're talking, you know, first grade. And, and I, had, I can remember when I went to first grade and reading those little Dick and Jane books, if any of you read those, C-Spot Run books, and uh, I thought, well, maybe I could handle that. You know, I'm not a trained, trained teacher, but maybe I could handle this one year. So in this process of willing, in my part, to say, okay, I'll, I'll give it a go when we get there, and I was thankful we had a little time ahead of us, in that whole period of time, God began to work in our lives in a different way, and we started researching the laws to homeschool. Because obviously, at that time, we're going back 18, nearly 20 years ago, uh, homeschool was illegal in most states in the United States. So that put us on a venture and was one of the things that motivated us, just one of the things that motivated us to, to move our family to a rural setting and to a state that would offer homeschool uh, potentials. Well, I knew that if I would be there to support my wife, now obviously I wasn't there on a daily basis, but when I say to be there to support, she always knew I was behind her in this decision. Not only did she know that I was behind her, but in every way that I could, or in every way that I understood, I was there encouraging the process. I was encouraging the young people to cooperate with their mother teacher, <laughs> and there to encourage. And I knew that if we could have one good year together, that then there would be another year. Not to take the whole... Because people would come to us. Right at the beginning, people would say, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do for high school? I haven't even started first grade yet. <laughs> and I thank the Lord that he, he gave us a simple answer. We're simply doing the best at what God has shown us today. And if we will do that faithfully today, I'm sure he'll reveal tomorrow when we need it. So I want to encourage you that it is one step at a time, and fathers, especially fathers, husbands, that we can be there supporting in many ways uh, to, to be behind this program. Well, I, I recognize my great need, and uh, at this same time, God was encouraging me to start going back to his word. You know, for 
for so many years, we, as a professing Christian nation, we've, we've kind of know the ideas of what Christianity is all about, but we've really not spent time in God's Word to really dig deep for the instruction that's there. And feeling my need and, and with the realization and desire for my children to be ready for the kingdom of God, we started turning our energies back into the Word of God for Amen. guidance and for direction. And that was a real encouragement to me because I found out that it wasn't important that I had to know everything. And I want to encourage you with that. It's not important that you have to know everything and every subject. What's important is is that you know how to touch by faith the hand of Christ and take his wisdom to guide you. Because homeschooling is more than books. It's heart work. And I also found out that homeschool was more, or education was more than just a pursuit of a certain type of curriculum. And it's more than just a preparation for my child to get on and get through life and, and be successful in this world. As we began to study God's Word, we found out that education is so much more. It's a preparation for our children in the kingdom of God. Amen. And that's one of the things that that we began to recognize that whether you're in a homeschool setting or if you're in a public school setting or a church school setting, education is not just book learning. Education is the development of the physical, mental, emotional, you know, and that's becoming very important today, (laughs) and spiritual powers of the young person of developing the whole person to be useful in this earth, in this time, and to be prepared for life eternal. So through many years of study, I've come to understand, and I simply um, boil it to a very simple sentence. True education is to teach my child how to know and do the will of God. When we understand that as the basic foundational understanding we build off of that to teach our child how to know the will of God and to be willing to do the will of God and that is a 24-hour day job amen we find that homeschooling develops the essential attributes we're looking at at character here and if you've if you've homeschooled, how many of you are actually involved in homeschooling right now? Okay? Then you understand that regardless of what you're teaching, you're also developing character, right? Character is being challenged, it's being tested, character is being revealed, and character is being grown. And one of the things that we look for in character development is truth and uprightness in every dealing of life. That means that We want to see our young people come to the point when father and mother aren't standing at their side that they make very useful, very conscientious, very spirit-led decisions. And when we see that isn't happening, we have a work to do, don't we? Amen. And that work is ongoing, okay? The work that I have to do, as long as my young people are at home and I still have (laughs) young adults at home... 21 and nearly 20 and nearly 17, the work doesn't stop, even though the book learning changes and they may finish their high school or they may finish their whatever they're taking. 
the work doesn't stop. Does it? No. They're still in the, the home, and we still consider it a great privilege to be able to work with them in the home. And we count it a great blessing that they want to work with us at those ages in the home. Amen. Very thankful for that. We, we want to be able to see our young people survive in this world and not just survive spiritually. Joseph did more than survive. We want to see our young people do more than survive when they're in a heathen situation, right? We want to know that they're not going to be taken down the track by those influences, but they're going to lead rather than be led in those situations. So not only does the homeschool environment give us an opportunity to train the characters of our children so they learn to make choices because it's right and they want to honor God in that, but also we found another potential and the purpose of homeschool is to fortify the mind that even the motives of the heart, even the motive of the heart is checked by what is right. And that is a much deeper level, deeper element. And you know what? I found that God worked in my heart. He's working in our hearts in, on these levels too. So if you're educating your children in the home, or if they're going to school, you're still teachers and you still have the responsibility of their character development, which is the primary uh, aspect of education, is the heart work. When that's in place, then we can get the book learning. We're going to be talking about that as well. But even to have God help us to be sensitive to what is motivating my attitudes, what is motivating my decisions, what is motivating my thinking, and for each of our children, that's the purpose of true education. It motivates. It has us check the evil that may be motivating silently in the thoughts. We like to consider that as we're looking at the purposes of homeschool, as we're developing the homeschool program, we see barometers. And one of the barometers that we look for is, do our young people want to be more service-oriented as a result of their education? Now, that doesn't mean that everyone that is homeschooled or properly educated in another school has to be a missionary in the terms of being a missionary. But what it does mean is as we are being successful under the guidance of the Lord, under his principles, one of the barometers that we should see as a natural byproduct of success in the home school is that our young people should want to be service-oriented towards other people, not only servicing themselves. If that's not happening then we need to consider why it's not happening and where they're going and why they're headed that direction. We, we've come to understand that as we give our hearts to the Lord and we help our children to, to gain that experience as well, the service is not just for this life, but that's what we're going to be doing for eternity. We're going to be doing the will of God, and we're going to be happy, and we're going to not want it any other way. And we need to experience that here and now. So those are just some of the purposes of homeschool that we have found that have really been there. And, you know, I just want to emphasize, for us, when we began this process, like I said earlier, just let me just do one year, you know, let's just tackle first grade and see if I can actually do it. Um, it's been understanding and studying these types of, of purposes that has continued to motivate me through the years with my children to not... Uh, 
give up in discouragement, to not uh, feel like a failure, even though I failed many times, but rather I know that God is merciful and forgiving, and He can forgive me, He can enlighten me, He can help me to have good courage and move on. Amen. And we want to encourage you to keep those purposes ever before you. In my home, oftentimes, I'd write these things down on little notes, I'd put it on my desk, because my, my mind gets busy in the day and I forget, and I could see it there at my desk, a reminder, something I read that morning that would help me to be a better mother and a better teacher for the day. We also want to spend a few moments here talking about the privilege of homeschooling. And I really have a burden for us to understand what a blessed opportunity we have been given in this country and many other countries in the world right now. Do you know that the world, all, almost I'm going to say almost all because I don't know if every first world country has signed on in the Child Rights Act? that was uh, developed through the United Nations. Do you know that this country is, has agreed legally, our government has signed on, that we as a nation will honor that United Nations uh, law? And in reality, and I'm going to be talking about this tomorrow more, but tomorrow, um, in reality what's going to happen is that we have already lost our rights as parents. We have. Because for every right that's given the child, it supersedes the right of a parent. So, we have an opportunity, a window of time, a privilege, a beautiful privilege that God has given us in our country to homeschool our young people. And do you know now it's legal, I think, in all the states in the United States and in many other countries. So here we have, while there is a law already in place that we have basically no rights, we also have laws that say we have the right to train and teach and educate our children in our own homes. How much better could God give it to us? You know, it's, as we've traveled to various countries, it isn't that easy in Germany. They're forbidden by law to homeschool their children. And we have, we've worked with families over there, and uh, we happen to know some of the families that uh, have taken the challenge. We, we just received a letter from a family who is now going to the Superior Court in Germany to stand for what they believe is their God-given right to educate their children. The difference is that in the United States of America, and we are losing our rights, as many of you probably recognize, but... We still have the best place to live in the world right now. It's a window of opportunity. You see, the difference here is that we, uh, in our Constitution, when, when you take this all the way to the Supreme Court, that court upholds the right of a parent to teach and educate their children. They've been, several tests have been made in our Supreme Court. In the Supreme Court, the Superior Court uh, in Germany, they don't have that precedent at this time. So these parents recognize that as they go to the Superior Court in Germany, they will either be given this right and they will set a precedent in their state in Germany, or they will be, they will be refused. And if they're refused, they have to make a choice whether to break the law, to move to another country, can you imagine that? I mean, 
We take so many things for granted here in this country. We have a privilege right now to educate our children. And like Mary of old, the mother of Jesus, she was given a privilege to homeschool. Do you know that Jesus was forbidden, his mother was forbidden to send Jesus to the rabbinical schools of his day? John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth, was forbidden to send her son to the rabbinical schools. God had a special purpose. Now, the point is not that we're forbidden to do anything but homeschool, but do you see the privilege that God offers to us? We say that when we see that privilege in its truest sense, that for us it was a call to our hearts to look at that window and take that opportunity. And for us, it has meant that we really take serious what God has given us the opportunity to do. And as we went back and we started studying through the scriptures, we found it interesting that not only was Jesus and John the Baptist homeschooled, but when we looked at the life of Joseph, although the scriptures doesn't say he was homeschooled, we know that his training was in the home. And his occupation was developed through the influences of the home. And it's interesting, as we studied his home environment, it was pure and simple. And those are some key factors, if you're taking notes, that you want to create an environment that is a pure environment for your young people and a very simple environment, not overstimulated. That's really what it was saying. For us in our home, purity, we started going through the kind of books we had on our shelves, the kind of magazines I used to order. It's not so much what's the magazine, it's the advertisements that can bring into your home uh, very different ways of thinking or, or be temptations unnecessary. So we started looking at ways that we could kind of purge our home and to make it a little more pure. In the home that Joseph was raised in, they, they were taught to love and fear God. And really that, again, is the foundation of the home. It's the foundation of, of education. It's to teach our children to know and do the will of God, to fear and to love God. And that in Joseph's home, his mental and his physical development were balanced. And that's very important in homeschool. It's not just all day at the books, or it's not just all day in manual labor. It's a balance between mind stretching and physical labor to keep the body and the mind growing harmoniously one with another. And then as we continued to research uh, the life of Joseph, we saw the results of his home training, that he was a steadfast young man. Don't we want to have steadfast young men and women? Amen. Amen. Especially in the times that we live. He was obedient to duty. It wasn't, well, I really don't feel like it today. Mom, you do the dishes. He was obedient to duty. And he was faithful in every situation. Now listen to how God describes the result in Psalm 105 in verses 21 and 22. This is the testimony of Joseph. Pharaoh made him lord of his house and ruler over all his substance and to teach his senators wisdom. Now this is a child who was, you know, basically trained and educated in the home. And as we all know, the part of Joseph's story, as a young lad, we don't know exactly what age, he was taken from, well, he left his home willingly to check on his brothers, but his own brother sold him into slavery. 
He was a slave in a foreign country uh, under adverse conditions that that had no uh, recognition of God at all. And this is where God took this young man. And he put him so he was educating and training the senators of this heathen nation with the wisdom that God had given him. So God is limitless. We just have to cooperate with him. You know, it's interesting that these two characters, Joseph and now I'm going to speak for a couple of moments of Moses, both their, their powerful uh, potentials were revealed in Egypt. Isn't that interesting? The powerful potentials. In this case, Jacobed had a window of opportunity for 12 years. Let's say that she had the privilege of 12 years with her son. Do you think she valued those years? Absolutely. And she was successful by the grace of God. She was successful in preparing him during those 12 years that laid the foundation of his greatness. And that foundation was laid in a very humble home, a very simple home. His mother was a slave. In Joseph's case, he was the slave. So Moses' mother was a slave in a humble home, but she was able to implant in him the most important thing that we can implant in our young people in homeschool or in whatever their education. She was able to implant in him a fierce loyalty to God that he never let go of. And when he came to his supreme test, When he was offered the throne of the pharaohs, he said that he would rather suffer with the children of God than to enjoy the pleasures of that wealthy kingdom for a season. Isn't that really what we want our young people to come to? Do you think they're going to be blinded or hidden from the enticements of this world? The devil is constantly laying before our young people the enticements of the billboards, okay? Maybe not the literal ones, maybe some of those too, but the billboards of temptation are constantly before our young people. We want to teach them and to train them to be loyal to the service of God and that God really has their hearts. If God really has their heart, then parents will have their heart. Isn't that a blessing? And that's a byproduct. So what about us? What about us? Where do we find ourselves today? Are we using the opportunities to the maximum ability? I haven't always. There's been days I've been so focused on just getting the lessons done or having my children get the lessons done that I've lost the whole purpose and privilege of homeschooling. That's why I have such a burden to keep it before us because as I began to see where I was falling and failing, at different times or becoming discouraged, I recognize I lost sight of the purpose. I lost sight of the privilege God had given. And we want to encourage you to keep those purposes and the privilege ever before you. What if, just imagine, what if God was going to write a new chapter in the Bible and your family was going to be written about? What kind of testimony would my family or your family have there about the faithfulness of our young children? That's some pretty serious thinking, isn't it? It it has been for us. 
And not that we, we want it just so it looks good so that we can feel good about ourselves, but rather we want, we want to be able to have those names of our children written in the book of life. That'll be the new chapters written. They're being written right now. And are we preparing our young people for that? Are we diligently working in the power of God to prepare our young people for His kingdom? Or are we just letting our children get away with uh, incomplete lessons, uncorrected work, all of these little things because we don't have time. It's why do we have to be so particular? And we let things go undone. Then we're training in the physical what will happen in their spiritual life. And God wants to see that there is a strong parallel between how we educate our children in the homeschool, the actual book learning part, and how they are being trained in their characters. You know, I've shared, and Elaine has shared, a couple of examples from Old Testament, the results of the privilege that the parents took hold of, the powerful potential. But I'd like to share that these same results can happen today and are happening today. Amen. Isn't that even more exciting? You know, one of the, one of the blessings that we experience as we get to know people in different places around the world is that as we see families taking hold and making decisions, we also get to see the fruit. Now we see a lot of heartache, but we see a lot of blessing. Amen. We get to see families and the, the results of decisions that they're making on principle. And you know, it's been a real blessing to us to, to see some of the results of young people who we've known since they were... <laughs> growing up with our little ones and seeing those young people becoming prominent even in a university setting, in a technical college setting, uh, in a community college setting. You know, we've, we've seen the fruit of this. Young people who have been homeschooled, where the parents have taken the privilege seriously, and these young people are graduating with highest honors in their classes. Their professors are saying, give me more of these kind of students that can govern themselves, that don't have to be looked over constantly, that can take an assignment and understand it. Give me more of these young people that have the integrity and the uprightness. One young man that's in another country right now He's actually a very reserved young man, and if you were to meet him, you would immediately notice, you'd probably say he's kind of shy. But in his program that he's taking, in the, the school that he's involved in, he has gotten the highest grades, he has gotten the best reports from his extension program. They have an extension program where they send their students out. The instructor over the whole, the, the whole school said we've never had anybody get as many raving reviews about their integrity. He's already been offered three positions. He's been offered to start a business with a, a man who's starting a business. He's just a young man. He's and not he's, even finished. He's only halfway through the program. He's halfway through the program because the people at the school and the people that he's working with, they haven't come across this kind of integrity 
this kind of determined perseverance and usefulness. Praise God. That's the privilege and the result of taking the privilege seriously. And what an honor to the Lord, isn't it? I Amen. mean, it's, we can look at the young people and say, praise God, but praise God, that's exactly right. He's the one who gets the credit Amen. because they're developing their lives to be strong for the Lord, to be unmovable, unbendable when the pressures of life come on. And that's our desire. And that's why we wanted to start, sharing, start by sharing with you the purpose and privileges of homeschool. And keep it in your thoughts. Don't let the day-to-day uh, trials take, take from your mind the very reason that you've made this decision. But let that ever be in the forefront of your thoughts and in your education with your young people. And God will use that to accelerate the entire program. Now we want to talk about principles. Principles are important, aren't they? And the principles that we want to talk about come from the Word of God. And that is very important. Where we get our principles determines what will be the fruit. So where we are sowing, if we're sowing from the Word of God, we will reap from the Word of God. If we are sowing from the Word of God in the Spirit, and the excellent spirit of Jesus Christ, we will, we will reap from the word of God an excellent spirit in our young people. Because there are some people who can use the principles of the word of God who are devoid of the spirit of God. And when that spirit is not accompanying, it's not the same. It doesn't produce the same fruit. We could talk for hours about principles today. There are many. There are many, many principles we could talk about, but we want to talk about three key principles that are necessary for success. And the first is that our principles must come from the standard of God's word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Do you believe that? I know we believe that intellectually, but we must come to understand it practically, that we must learn how to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Because as we come to understand and practice this kind of living, then our young people will be able to face the pressures of the university setting. They will be able to face the pressures of the peers around them, but only as they come to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, verse 4. It's interesting when Jesus quoted that verse. This was Jesus speaking in Matthew 4. And he was speaking to the devil who was trying to overthrow his homeschool program. Did you know that? The devil was making one of his strongest bids to overthrow the education of Christ in the wilderness of temptation. He knew it was his best opportunity. Christ was at his weakest point. Oh, may God help us as parents to train our young people that at their weakest point they will live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But when Jesus quoted this quote, do you know where he quoted it from? The Old Testament. 
His mother had taught him from the Old Testament. There was no New Testament when Jesus was quoting those words. His mother had faithfully taught him to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So does that mean that um, I can pick the ones I like? <laughs> I hear smile. I hear, I, I hear laughter and see smiles. <laughs> That's our human tendency, isn't it? Oh, I really like this one because it fits with the way I think. It's what I want. But what about those principles in the Word of God that don't fit with the way we think or it's not really what we want in our natural human flesh? Like Philippians 2.14? Yes, that could be one of them. (laughs) Why don't you tell them what it says? That's the one I see right here. Yes. (laughs) Let all things. You know, the Bible is never afraid to speak. Inspiration is never afraid to speak in absolutes. And Philippians 2.14 says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings. We took hold of this principle when our children were very little. And it was one that we grimaced at when we saw it. All things without (laughs) murmurings. Yeah, is that just for the children? What do you think, children? (laughs) Or does it include mother and father as well? (laughs) That's right. It includes mother and father as well. So, have you ever heard these words? I don't want to. It's too hard. (laughs) I can't. Do I have to? (laughs) I've said that. I don't feel like it. (laughs) It's not my job. I did that yesterday. (laughs) This lesson is too long. I mean, we wrote these down because these are from the Waters household, okay? (laughs) Some of these are direct quotes from a father or a mother, and some of these are direct quotes from one of our young people, and some of them, we we all five score on them. So these are, you know, from personal experience. And when you see this kind of principle in the Word of God, do all things without murmuring disputing, you know where I first learned the principle? When I was teaching my, my two girls the very first year, phonics. The phonics program I used was rod and staff. And for every letter sound, they gave a Bible verse. And I tell you, the Bible opened up for me. Because they made it practical so even a teacher could understand it. And I was so encouraged by that. And when I read that, it was like a ton of bricks hit me on the head. Because I realized that already we had, I had not done everything without murmuring disputing. Certainly I wasn't training my children. And this was, you know, early into the phonics program. And that one lesson that day turned the entire tide of our home. Amen. To understand what God wants in our hearts. So the homeschooling is a wonderful opportunity to learn what God has for us. And that's why it's important that we are careful to choose a good, wholesome, Bible-based curriculum. But the Bible is to be the standard. It is not for us to pick and choose what we like or don't like. It's for us to accept what Jesus spoke. Every word that proceeds out of my mouth, he says. 
Now, if you're willing to be honest, really honest, it's not comfortable to take that literally. It's not comfortable to not pick and choose because we've always picked things that we like and we've always shunned things that we don't like. That's our natural tendency. But if we do this with our children in the homeschool setting or in the, you're still a teacher, whether your children are in homeschool or they're out somewhere else in school, you still are going to have a responsibility for instructing and teaching your children. If we choose to let some things slide, we have seen it in our own home. Don't want to deal with that right now. Too busy to deal with that right now. Maybe that'll go away if we just give it a little time. Does it? No. If we don't deal with it, and we've seen some, I have to say, some heartbreaking examples of parents who have done a pretty good job, but they missed dealing with one or two key things in their children's education. And they came back to meet them face to face with some horrible consequences. Because it was not comfortable, or in one case the mother desperately wanted to do those things and address that issue with the young person, but the father said, no, leave it alone. And it's come back because the weak link is always the place where it will break. And it's come back. And it will always come back, parents, so don't think for a moment that you can pick and choose the principles, and if you don't like it, you know what I have found? The reason I don't want to do one of the principles that God brings to me, like do all things without murmuring and disputing, is because it puts it right in my face. And I want to push it away, because it's me. I can't do that either. Because I can't say to my son or to my daughter, don't do this while I do it. I can't live that way. If I'm going to live that way, I might as well just give up on the Christian life. And so it brings it right to my face. And that's why many of us fear to address the weakest links in our children in the school setting. Because we have to address the weak link in me. And God is willing to do that, friends if we're willing to do it. And as we address them in me, God will help us address it in the child. So we want to encourage you as a first principle that the Word of God is what you base all of your curriculum on, your your home life, what governs your home, your education. That has to be the most important Because when that's in place, then we have the wisdom that God's promised to go on from there and to begin to take the other parts, the actual application of the school lessons or the home training or the character development, and we can begin to understand how to apply it. Now, taking the Word of God, that sounds kind of uh, like a thing that we would say, you know, as Christians. We, We stand on the Word of God. The Bible alone is where we stand. But for us, it's meant that we start digging deep in the Word of God. And when we go through, as we have done, and I've done it for many years, as studied the Word of God as a mother, as a teacher, as a wife. 
because that's the areas I deal with every single day of my life in the last 21 years. And as I began to go through these areas and study these things, the Lord just encouraged me to start looking up words that I knew already what they meant. But look them up in the Bible concordance and the dictionary, but always the Bible concordance because it gives a fuller understanding. And so one of the most popular texts that every Christian parent is very aware of goes like this. Train up a child in the way he should, and when he is he will not from it. So we all know that, right? But do we understand the depth of meaning that verse has? Now, we don't have a lot of time to go and give you all the depth of that, that verse because you could spend quite a while studying this, just this one verse. But look up those words. And I'm, we kind of present it to you to, to encourage you to go home and study for yourselves what that word train means. It's more than just telling them what to do and what not to do. It's spending time to win their hearts, to help them to accomplish it, to be their companion with them in in this entire process. And then, as we go from the meaning of those things, we find its application through the many stories in the Bible. And so, while we can look at one verse that says, train up a child in the way he should go, then when we read the experience that Hannah had with Samuel, we understand what it means. So then we started studying the life of Hannah as a mother and as a, ter- as a teacher to her young son Samuel, that he could speak the words as a young lad, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Amen. You notice the words he used, he understood that God was the proper authority. He was the father. And Samuel the boy was a servant or under subjection, submission to the Heavenly Father. We read about this through the lives of Abraham and Isaac, that Isaac would lay willingly on that altar when he could have jumped off and run down the mountainside and run away from his old dad. He willingly chose. There are some very important keys here that familiar stories start to really help us to gain a deeper understanding and a greater love for the Word of God. So we just want to encourage you, make the Word of God the foundation of everything in your homeschool setting. And we also have another blessing in the expanded, if you will, inspiration of the Word of God. The book's education, for example... And Fundamentals of Christian Education are powerful books. Powerful books to take the scriptures and help expand upon them to make them meaningful in practical daily life. So those are resources that we have have used extensively in our home. Well, we need to move along to the second principle. We could talk about numerous ones, but the first and most important we just talked about was making the Word of God the standard of our education. Secondly, can our children count on us? Can they depend on us? One of the verses that came through to me, and I think partly because when our children were young, we were in a transition experience ourselves. And a a verse that came through to me, it was very meaningful, was Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. 
It was very meaningful to me personally. And as I recognize the application as a father, how many times do I leave my children and forsake them in the very moment of their experience where they need me desperately? When I, when I forsake them, when they're crying out to me, maybe they're not saying, help me, Father, help me. Maybe they're not saying it like that. Maybe they're saying it in a tone of voice I don't like to hear. Maybe their actions don't look very good, but the cry is there nonetheless for us, friends. Can our children really count on us that we will never leave them nor forsake them in their education and training? This has been a real help to me. And, and, I, and I, this is the one verse that my husband grasped before I did. And I'm thankful for that. And this is why if, if we are in a marriage situation that we encourage one another in the homeschool setting. Tom is really the principal of our school. That means that he gives guidance and counsel and, you know, gives encouragement and we discuss things. But he's not there on the day-to-day in the day-to-day. That's where I am. And I tell you, there's been many times I've been discouraged or frustrated and felt overwhelmed or felt guilty because of, you know, something I said or the wrong thing I did. And um, this, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. There's been times I wanted to, to run away. I mean, run away from the responsibility of having to work with my children. Not, you know, abandoning them totally, but just, I, you know, forget it. Let somebody else do this, you know, who's properly trained. <laughs> God wants to train us. There's no one better fitted to train and educate our children than their own parents. Amen. So let's look at that as an opportunity. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. My husband challenged me with that for our children. And, and I grew in that. And I, when our children come this evening... Feel free to talk with them. They'll tell you, yes, there's times my mother, and then they can give you some examples. <laughs> but they know that I have always been there for them. I've come back. I've said I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Maybe it's only three minutes. And don't leave them, mothers. Come back. Amen. Maybe it's ten <clears throat> minutes. Maybe you're in bed, and it's in your quiet reflection, and you realize that, this time in the day, you overlooked their attitude in the spelling lesson. Go back to your child. Don't leave them in wrongdoing. Don't leave them with your wrongdoing. Make it right and always bring forth what is righteousness. The third principle that we want to talk about, I find myself wanting to go back and talk a little bit more about that second one, but the third one that we want to talk about is Building a strong foundation for their education. And I'm not going to read the whole text, but it's a very familiar scripture. It's taken from Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. And you can go back and read it. But it's the, it's the story that Jesus tells about a, a foolish man who built his house upon the sand and a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the winds blew and the floods came and the house that was built on the rock, and he says there was founded upon the rock. That house was not moved. We need to build a solid foundation for our young people. That's how they will not be moved. 
when they face the experiences that, that Joseph faced in his captivity, that, that Moses faced in his life, they will not be moved. You know, we're told that any work that's worth doing is worth doing well. Now, is that a complicated principle? You know, the Lord brings that to me over and over again in some of the littlest things of life. Well, nobody's going to see this, Lord. (laughs) That isn't the principle, is it? Are we building for what people see? No. How many people see the foundation? You maybe see this much of it. So let's forget about the part down here. (laughs) Well, what happens to this part then? goes right down, doesn't it? It doesn't matter what people see. It's what is it made out of, friends. Whatever is worth doing is worth doing well. Tom mentioned the book, Fundamentals of Christian Education, and I want to encourage you, if you don't have that book, to get it. It's really been a blessing to me. And I've combed through that book, cover to cover, uh, all the way through, and many times we've gone back to specific sections that I recognize were my weak links or one of my children's weak links. And I found this principle, if it's worth doing it all, it's worth doing well. That's a call to higher ground, isn't it? Hmm. That's the way we're going to live in heaven to the best of our ability. And that's what Paul encourages us in. The wise man says, whatever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. So that started addressing me, building a strong foundation in phonics. I took schooling with the Dick and Jane books. You just memorize these words. And even now, at 47, when I read in family worship, all of my family has the... the lovely, loving spirit to correct me so I can read the words right because I never learned phonics. I didn't have a good foundation. And do you know that lack of foundation, not because my parents weren't good parents, they sent me to Christian schools. They paid so I could have the best education that they knew was available. But that was the transition our country was in, or parts of our country when I was a little girl. That foundation wasn't strong. And all through life, it has shown itself. All through life. In reading comprehension and spelling, I am the one in the home who uses the dictionary more than anybody. And when I started teaching my girls phonics, which was first grade, I started getting excited because it made sense to me. Finally, it made sense. How you know if it's an A or an A sound or an A sound? Because it has all three. It depends on how it is in the word. And, and I learned that to a level. But you know, we don't learn as well when we're older. And when I taught Josiah Phonics, I learned it again. And you know, I still forget some of those rules. Or I see them really, these long words, and I don't think I've ever seen it before. So immediately, I'm intimidated by the word. And that's a weak link in my education. Build a strong foundation in phonics. It is what they need to develop a strong language so they have good comprehension. When I learned phonics, as I started learning phonics and then built with that with English and the eight parts of speech, I started understanding scripture much more clearly. So in the school setting with these subjects, Build that strong foundation. Don't skip over the importance of it being a noun or a verb. Have your children understand the difference. Have them know what adjectives describe and what adverbs do and how conjunctions are used in the sentence because their comprehension will grow. 
And the beauty of it is that they will have better understanding of what they read, that they will be able to communicate better what they understand, and that they will communicate it clearly. And then they truly can represent what they understand to those around them, which should be the loveliness of Jesus. And in the school setting, through these, through these actual reading, writing, and arithmetic ideas, we then find that building of character, the foundation there. Because unless you have an unusual child, I've never met a child yet, who just is naturally in every subject wanting to learn everything and, and is totally, yes, mother, yes, mother, yes, mother. Does anybody have a child like that? I would really like to meet them. But um, <laughs> this helps us to see where their character needs are. Perseverance, thoroughness, honesty. And then in the math, oh, my children, they thought they had learned it well enough. But, you know, I could see the fingers moving on the desk. And you got ten. And when you get to higher math, they don't, there's not sufficient enough. So when they're in the math lessons, I can tell you the hours and hours over the early years... And the early years is where it's very intensive. Laying that strong foundation in the basic courses in math with flashcards for fun. We would go to town and I would turn around in the car and we would do this and I would encourage my children. We made it fun, interesting in the game. And then we, they learned those math tables. And then they could think clearer and sharper. And then as they got to higher math, it was easier. And if they didn't learn it well, it would show up. Then rather than trying to arduously go through these long division problems, I stopped. I went back to the foundation to make it strong. And then rebuilt what was lacking. And then went forward again. And it really was a blessing. See, our human nature, not only does it like to pick and choose what's comfortable... But our human nature likes to move on when we've had enough. I remember when Elaine was teaching piano to our three children, along with a couple of other children in, in our area that, that, we, that we knew. And she said, I'm not going to repeat the same mistake that happened when, when I took piano. Because when she took piano, she could memorize the piece. And then she'd go back and play it for the teacher. But how far can you go when you get to higher math, right? Same with the piano. <laughs> Pretty soon you can't memorize the piece. So she said, I'm going to make sure that our young people know how to take care of the basics in music. That they know how to count the rhythm. Now that sound, seems pretty basic, doesn't it? Do you know, I've heard people that can play the piano that play fairly beautifully, but they can't count the rhythm. Is that, is that shocking to anybody? <laughs> the reason is because they haven't stayed with that basic. And you know, the human nature of my children is just like everybody else's. And they, got, they thought they had the basics well enough. They wanted to zip on to start playing some songs. And Elaine brought them back and she said, no, you're not ready. And she had them do some of the most mundane things over and over. And I even started thinking, isn't this kind of a little carried away here? 
But she, I said that to her off on the side. <laughs> I have to be honest, though. I have said such things right in front of the children. And that is the worst thing a supportive father can do is say, well, why does he have to learn that rule? I'm never going to use that. <laughs> well, I've learned some of those lessons the hard way. But don't let them go ahead until they've mastered the basics. Now, Allison plays the piano many times better than Elaine. And Elaine is the only teacher she ever had in piano because she taught the basics, and it goes for everything. You teach them the basics in math correctly, and they'll go as high in math as they need to go. You teach them the basics in phonics, and they'll be able to read. But if you let them skip ahead, oh, I want to read now. No, you need to learn this. Make them master the basics. It's not being cruel. It's not being cruel at all. Just ask Jamie George. Some of you may have heard his story. He didn't want to master the basics. And he, he, he would record one hour of his practice, and then he'd turn on the tape recorder so his mother thought he was practicing for two more hours. <laughs> you know, he, he didn't want to master the basics. He was tired of the violin. Whatever it is, if you'll help your young people master the basics, they will thank you for it when they hit the higher levels. And mastering the basics is in every area. That means, in, and we're going to talk about this in a few minutes, but in the homeschool setting, it's more than books. Amen. It's their life. And this is important for us to know. It's like building birdhouses? Yeah, like building birdhouses. <laughs> exactly. Mastering the basics means you don't just end up with a nice birdhouse. It means all the tools are put away, all the sawdust is cleaned up, and you don't know that a birdhouse was built on that work deck. Amen. But you have the product. That is mastering the basics. Well, we're going to take a little bit of a break here for five or ten minutes, and when we come back, we're going to talk about how to set priorities and plan, and that's going to include curriculum and schedules. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.